When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But I'll have, I'll what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. Have it. You, you no no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline and deadline. Dude, are you even listening to me right now? Welcome to episode 74 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me from my basement via Zoom, Charles Hedlund. How do you doing, buddy? <laughs> doing good, buddy. What's going on tonight? I don't know. I feel like that's kind of been my thing recently for an intro. I, like I gotta it. figure out something uh, a little more, a little bit more catchy, I think. I don't know. We'll see. It's not the Rack Shack, but I like it. I'm disappointed we're not in the Rack Shack. Let me just make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be pretty cold out there tonight, though. Yeah. I mean... What is it, down in the teens right now? Yeah, That's I think it's about brutal. 16 out there. Brutal. Brutal. But we should have ice now, buddy. I know. I actually know a couple of people that went out ice fishing, and uh, they did okay. They didn't do tremendous, but they did okay. Caught some slab crappies and some bluegills, but I'm, I want to. i got to find all my stuff. I think it's in my mom's garage somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one person. I'm trying to think now. They caught a small bass today. Oh, that uh, was uh, that was Seabird. Oh, the Seaburn, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's right. I thought I saw that. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I haven't been ice fishing in years and I used to like it quite a bit. I bought, you know, some different lures and the weights and stuff, like the little stuff for it a little while back at, at a, like a yard sale. And I haven't been on the ice since. Man, I, that my first fishing trip ever was ice fishing on the Missouri River. Oh my. So I've been doing it for a really long time, but dude, we haven't had ice in. I literally, like I said, it's in my mom's garage. I have no idea where it is in there at all. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go and take me freaking, I'm like, I think I'm better off at this point buying a small rig and just doing it that way rather than digging through and finding it. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe I'll go. Well, I, <laughs> I usually borrow my dad's stuff and he's got everything across the street and the, 
storage over there and oh, it's yeah. all like still in the shed in his like milk carton or milk whatever you call that thing little carrier yeah you know what i mean the plastic carrier he's oh, got yeah. that like bungee strapped to a sled with all the rod holders everything's in there so it's just like grab that sled and go i love it i, love I would it. need to find my cleats i even bought like the ice cleats and i don't know where they are i, I got some cleats find do you have your rescue picks I don't have rescue picks. You gotta now. get those. Those are key, man. Key for ice fishing. What? Yeah, I'm telling you. You go in, you need something to help get you out, man. Ah, uh, that's a good call. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I've never seen or used those before. Oh, yeah. You'll see them. Look at anybody ice fishing. You'll see them hanging around their neck. Okay. Con- they're little. Yeah, they're little. <laughs> little handheld ones. Yeah, just little, little baby. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah, the more you know. In case you fall in and step in somebody's, uh. Gives you something. Illegal hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Are you in a are you a jump in someone else's hole kind of fisherman? Uh, when it's easier, or you just like to drill your own? No, I have an auger somewhere. <laughs> like <Yeah>. I said, <laughs> somewhere, but it is a me powered auger. It is not. Although the new drill ones are pretty nifty, but they're very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, the ones we have, they're all hand. Yeah, that's honestly, that that's the best way to go, I think. Yeah. They're yeah. nice. I mean, you don't have to mess with any small engines or anything trying to get those things started. Yeah, you, you hear it all going. the time out on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Guys just trying to start them <laughs> for an hour straight. <laughs> yeah. Speaking uh, of ice fishing. Yeah. Our guest has been Snapchatting me all the time. He is constantly out on the ice lately. I'm very jealous. He drives me nuts. I'm at work. Busting hump, and he's uh, busting Very fish. Smooth. <laughs> Very smooth transition there. Yes, he has. And he just sent me a snap. Did he send you one uh, just before we got on? Dude, they're making steaks. Dude, they were they were grilling out on the ice. Like they got it made. I need to. I need to do it how they're doing it. We're doing it wrong. Listen, Trevor Berwick is bringing his own personal chef with him ice fishing. It's how could you go personal wrong with it? Chef, personal full chef, out, <laughs> laid out. Like they did breakfast the other day. I saw him with eggs, bacon. I'm like, holy shit, this is not ice fishing. What are you guys doing out there? I've been doing it wrong, man. I've been doing it wrong. You ain't kidding. <laughs> I, at the best, I might, you know, a bologna and mustard sandwich out there with me if I'm lucky. Yeah, if I remember, that you sounds know, in a gourmet. Of water. He's got a chef. They're out there having a good old time. Not I'm only does he have a chef, he's doing the salt bay action on the steaks, man. <laughs> Unreal, dude. It <laughs> had me rolling. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I love it. Oh man. Well, well, you broke the ice on it. Um, our boy Trev from the Outdoor Drives did today's episode, man, and uh, he's a good ass dude. He's a good ass dude, man. I I like him a lot. He's probably one of the easiest people to talk to you yeah. know he just flows it's kind of just turn him loose and he'll go yeah he's been there for us too he supported us and yep. uh, he's been supporting us so i i really appreciate all he's done for us and just being a, a good friend back and forth kind of talking with him we snapchat daily yeah you know, that's kind of our form of communication it's it's every day he's we're sending each other shit yeah and yeah. he's also got new hats out guys so go check those out he has limited supply but he'll be Rolling them out like crazy. Go go check them out. You see, we almost won that one. We were, we were like three away. I think it was like two off, man. Yeah, we were like the third one up. I'm yeah. Like, you suck, bitch. I went, on, uh, I went on the Facebook Live and the Instagram Live. I was ready, man. Didn't happen. I it's saw okay. that. I caught it later. I missed it, the notification. <laughs> I caught it later, and I saw you were on there. Yeah, I checked <laughs> it out. <laughs> All Good right, well, stuff. let's get them on, man. Yeah, no longer delay. 
All right, guys and gals, welcome back. We have episode 74 with a pretty good friend of ours, I would say. Uh, we've actually been on his podcast once back in like the first 15 episodes or so, I want to say. Back before, uh, apparently, he knew how to number his episodes because there's no number on it. <laughs> but our boy, C.T. Trev from up, guys? the Outdoor Drive podcast. What's going on, buddy? What's up, man? How are you? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely, We're doing man. great. Never better. Never better. We got five, six inches of snow right now. It's colder than shit. And uh, the ice is freezing. So we might be ice fishing soon there, Austin. I hope so, buddy. We haven't had it for quite some time. So I was looking the other day at the ice reports up on Presque Isle, and they had three to four inches last week. So it should be pretty good this week, man. Yeah. I wonder how Moraine is, because that's where I love to go, out to Moraine or Wilhelm. I'll bet it's getting uh, there. Yeah, I'll guarantee it. What about you, Trev? How's it been over there, man? I heard you got a little bit of snow. Yeah, we got a little bit of snow. We got like 15 inches on the ground. We had a nor'easter. We're getting another one on Sunday. We do have cold temps here. We've been ice fishing here for a couple of days. Eh, a couple of weeks, actually. Yeah, you sent me a Snapchat last week. You were reeling them in, man. Yeah, we, we beat up the crappie. Uh, it's been a while. It's been like two years. We'll get out yeah, in the morning, perfect. do some walleye fishing, some crappie jigging in the morning. So. That's what I'm talking about. Ooh, yeah. I love me some walleyes. Hell yeah, man. Love putting slabs on some ice, man. We haven't, we literally haven't gone out in a couple years now. I mean, it, you would have to be able to go out on like a Wednesday for two hours if you wanted ice fish in the last two years. You know, it's been really tough and I miss it, man. Right when I got into it really big, it just, we didn't get any snow. Like we got a shanty, we got all the equipment and then boom, the warmest winters we've seen in, in forever in the last two years. But this year I'm hoping for, fingers are crossed. I'm kind of over winter time, but. At the same time, if it gives me ice, I'm cool with it, man. I'm cool with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Trev, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit for uh, anyone that's listening and doesn't know who you are, man. Well, if they don't know who they are, then they shouldn't be listening. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm East Coast Trev. I originate here from Connecticut, from a real small town, Coventry. It's right out. So if you guys know where Yukon, like the Yukon Huskies, I'm about 15 minutes east of there. So pretty small town, farm town. Yeah. I am the host of the Outdoor Drive podcast and one of the hosts of a prior show also. Been in the podcast game just a little bit and uh commercial fisherman by trade and taxidermy for fun in the winter. It's kind of getting me through. There's nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> right. I originated, I started when I was about 16 years old. I started a forum called ctbowhunting.com. Um, that's kind of where it all kicked off for me. Had this envision and this dream to do this full time my entire life, and um, here we are today. It's all failed. Every business plan I've ever had has failed. I suck at this stuff. So, and uh, yeah, <laughs> dude, I love it though, man. You're you're out all the time. I mean, I just I just said a second ago, I love getting Snapchats from you all summer, like you shark fishing and pulling in stripers, and just like I'm so jealous because I'm at work and I'm just I'm not doing that at all, not even remotely. <laughs> It's, it's kind of the, the long short of it is that I had owned a construction company with my family for a while and I just got sick and tired of the daily grind, man. It was just, it kind of got irritating, you know, traveling constantly, not being home for hunting seasons and whatnot. And it was, oh man, it was probably four years ago, five years ago. I was actually in Boston, Massachusetts, and I wasn't going to be home for turkey season. So I looked at my dad and I said, I quit. He's like, what do you mean you quit? You own half the company. I go, I fucking quit. I'm going home. So I went home and then I had to figure out what I was going to do. So I went back to working on a boat and uh, 
kind of been doing it ever since, man. Just kind of whatever it is, you know. I love it works. It, man. Pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to give up a lot though. But I was gonna say, I give you a lot of credit, man. Taking and doing something like that takes a lot of balls. I mean, I know that I think about it every single day. Like, what can I do to get out of the nine to five bullshit Monday through Friday so I can get more time in the woods? And it's 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 fucking scary, you know. Really, it is. It's something that you're like. That's a big big commitment. Yeah, it it totally is. I mean, I have a loving wife, thank God, that, you know, allows me and stands behind me throughout the whole entire thing. But it's, I don't know, man, you just kind of got to jump into it head first, arms back. I mean, it's, you definitely give up a lot, you know, like, you, you know, I don't have the luxuries of things in life, but I get to enjoy every single day. It definitely is one of the pluses to it. And hopefully someday, man, something will take off and, you know, somebody will enjoy watching what we're doing. But until then, we're just going to have fun with it, you know? I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. At least there's somebody. <laughs> Austin, He's are you the number one, one fan? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Sorry, I had to. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you just get into it, man. Why don't you jump in a little bit to the outdoor drive and, and uh, well, maybe not how it got started, or, but <laughs> take us from the beginning and, and chat it up a little bit. This is your time yeah. to shine on it. For sure, man. Appreciate it. So the outdoor drive started because a, a prior commitment didn't work out. I met Stephen Clark uh, through the, the prior engagement, and uh, we were actually going to take it over together. And then things had gone through not so well, and uh, we decided that we were going to start another podcast. So we ended up starting, it was actually going to be East Coast Tradition, and then we were advised to not do that because of the prior podcast. And uh, we ended up coming out with the outdoor drive. It's just that drive to get outdoors and and do something and we have probably the best of the best team because steven is incredible with videography and doing all the technical stuff he's he's an it guy and then you have me that knows how to do none of that and i just talk and talk to people and kill shits pretty much it <laughs> i just enjoy being outside i fish full time so i'm constantly on the water constantly doing stuff constantly talking to people constantly meeting people and it's just kind of like rolled out from there. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice having a partner like that. Probably one of the best because I'll go and I'll film, say a goose hunt or whatever. And I send it to him and then he makes it into this huge miraculous thing that I could never invent ever. So it's, it's nice to have someone on the team like that. And, um, he stands behind me too. It's, 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 it's just, it's just a win-win, man. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be able to do this, honestly, because I have no idea how to do anything. When it comes to text, it is nice to have. I couldn't do it without him, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Steven seems like a really good guy. I, uh, we're going to have you both on here at some point for sure. Uh, we decided to keep it just you this time just because we want to focus on something that happened this year in the, uh, fall months, we'll call it. And <laughs> we'll get to that down the road. But if you guys are listening to this right now, you definitely need to be listening to the outdoor drive podcast. I know it's on my list. It's on Austin's list. We're. Uh, religiously listening to it. Go check out their YouTube channel as well. You guys are definitely pumping up some good videos and, uh, I love it, man. What, what you guys are doing, you, you hit the scene and just took off running and yeah, Appreciate it, man. you guys are killing it, man. We don't really have any other option. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I appreciate it. I honestly do, man. The, the YouTube side is kind of fun, man. We've kind of ran with it and done a little bit of everything we have now we have a cooking segment on there uh which will come out weekly with Captain Seth and then we have um behind the product which is something that we kind of just started and it's just 
going and diving into different products. So like, you know, the, the new one that's going to come out here in the next couple of days is um the one with Matt Garris um, out on the limb. So we kind of go into all of his products and kind of what he's doing. The one that we last did was, was with Nor'easter Game Calls. Um, and just kind of go in the shop and just chat it up with them, kind of like what they're doing. And then we'll go from there, man, with every product that, you know, that we can find, honestly. Just kind of give somebody else their 30 minute light and, um, get it out there in video. And that's just exclusive just for YouTube. And then all of our podcasts are on YouTube also. So if you want to watch them, cause there's a couple of them, man, that you really got to see them because there's some really cool things that are in, inside of them. No, so that's killer, man. Now, are you guys doing just products that, you believe in or is it products that just across the board like you see something cool you want to know about it yeah um yeah yep uh-huh. yeah okay i'm down for that <laughs> <laughs> solid a answer a little bit of both man um we obviously started off with the guys that stand behind us yeah um and kind of work with us and partner with us and then just kind of go out from there you know we'll have a bunch of other products on there i mean whether we believe in them or not or you know someone just needs that time to shine and be able to be talked about and kind of a little bit extra marketing and a little boost. We'll yeah. have them on too. Yeah, that's you know? solid as hell, man. I love Matt Garris. He's a good guy. We've had him on. Matt's the yeah. man. Yeah. And Nor'easter game calls. They're, they're great game calls too. I mean, they make everything, turkey calls, duck calls, goose calls, all, everything. And they're, they're crazy looking. Yeah, they are. Mark makes some of the most, it's, it's crazy. The artwork that he puts into him, man. He's like, he's a custom knife builder by trade. And then he just took it and started making game calls out of it. Like, Dude, who else? So this was my gift from him is a pen with deer teeth inside of it. <laughs> That's like why that was a And this had this the the black on either side is made out of um uh Cape Buffalo. That so like, is just wild. that was just my gift, a gift to me, you know, and like he'll make a grunt tube with uh it'll have acorn caps in it or whatever. It's just nuts, dude. Who does that? Yeah. Who even thinks of that stuff, you know? <laughs> No, I but, dig yeah. that. Yeah. Matt Garris is cool as hell. I actually reached out to him We uh, uh, about going out there, and I might be meeting up with him and doing a little turkey hunt this spring. That's so, what he was telling me. That's yeah. awesome, man. Oh, yeah, man. I, well, I had a prior commitment with a, with another guy, and then he ended up that he has to move to, like, Kansas for work during the spring, so he's going to miss the whole turkey season. And I'm sitting there thinking, who the hell do I know that lives in Oklahoma that can hook me up, man? And then he was the first person I thought of. I reached out to him. He texted me right back and he was like, yeah, I don't see a problem. Come on down. We'll go shoot some birds and, and pigs and have a good old time, man. I'm looking forward to it. Big time. I want to get down there and go noodling with them. Oh, so, yeah. I don't know if I got the balls for that. I don't think I do neither, but I just want to go with him. <laughs> yeah. Watch him do it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be there. Put his big grizzly bear paws down into a hole with those forearms and just ripping fish out. Yeah. I just that see would... me coming out with a big old snapper on the end of my arm, man. <laughs> like, no, you would just come out with two your, fingers. With your nub. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Snapper's still be in the hole with your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be gnawing on it. Oh, I didn't think about that part either. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. Trev, what, anything else big coming out in 2021 for you guys? Um, I mean, we decided to not do any of the shows this year, uh, which is kind of an upset because that's kind of like my favorite time to you know, go and see everybody. I'm a little upset that, you know, like the Harrisburg show is not going on. The Iowa Deer Classic is on, but we're not going. We might go to Ohio, a couple of shows, but we decided that to kind of blow off the shows this year and use our, our money and kind of put it towards tags, um, just so that we can have, get more video content. Our big hunt this year, we're actually going to Idaho 
on horseback for mule deer this year. Oh, um, so that's we're gonna put in for our elk tags there also. But our big thing is to go out and shoot mule deer um, with rifles on horseback. Badass, man! Super that excited is, for that. That is badass. Honestly, that that sounds like a hunt that I would really love. I've been to Idaho many times. I I love it out there. Really? Yeah. Have you I've ever been? Never been. You're gonna freaking love it, man. It's just a whole nother world. Chuck might be going out to Colorado this year. We'll see what happens. But him too. He's never been that far out west. You guys are gonna be like mind blown. I'm telling you. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I've always been afraid with my gypsy mindset of going anywhere that I would really like, like like Alaska. Like it's like one of my number one bucket list things. But the problem is me being the gypsy soul that I am, I'd probably never come home. Yeah. <laughs> I would just find a boat to work on or something and then just never I, I'm weird like that. I'd send divorce papers back home and it's just not bad. That's just that's just me. But, He's coming yeah, a real estate agent as soon as he gets gravity. there. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Sorry, Austin. Go <laughs> You're going to call a real estate agent Susie Land. <laughs> what kind of shack can I get, man, for 20 bucks? <laughs> you might just be like the Alaskan bush people and just build your home out in the forest somewhere. Yeah, I mean. like you. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, hey, he has a construction background, bro. Done. Done. So just because I worked for the construction company didn't mean I learned anything. <laughs> I just, I just, I just went to work. <laughs> I was dreaming of whitetails and turkeys, man. Oh. I didn't actually do anything while I was there. Yeah, you know what? That's okay. You, you got the experience. It'll be all right. <laughs> oh man. Well, Speaking of turkeys, man, I, I kind of want to get into a quick recap of your season uh, leading up to your Ohio trip. That's one we want to focus most of the podcast on. So. If you want to just do a quick run through, recap your season, because I know you had one hell of a year and there's a lot, probably too much to even talk about. Yeah. I mean, I'll kind of, I'll just kind of hit, a, I have forget half of it, but <laughs> turkey season was, was actually really good. I started off in uh, Virginia. I went down and visited Steven down there. We did a little bit of a hunt down there and then it was, it was tough, man. It was a grind. It was kind of the first time that we decided to kind of put the video camera behind the hunter and it was not easy. It was either we had the bird, but we didn't have it on camera, or we had it on camera, but the guy couldn't get a shot, and it was kind of tossing back and forth. I mean, we called him probably 10 different birds, um, and it just did not work out. Then I came back home and just absolutely annihilated it. I mean, it was it was stupid. I called in a million and one birds. We started with the youth season here. I had a young gentleman I took out. Uh, we doubled up, and one day he got two long beards, and then... Regular season came around. I put a ton of birds down um, with friends, you know, Captain Seth and my buddy Mike and my brother, this, that, and the other thing, calling them in. And then I shot four birds. Three were on public and one was on private. Um, probably one of the most memorable seasons for me for the simple being is that I got to hunt with my mentor for the first time after him being my mentor since I was like 16 years old. And we'd always talk of the phone or whatever. We just never were able to get out. And this year, we were able to kill a bird together. And it just meant the world. It was so much fun. Just kind of putting everything that we've kind of talked back and forth for 15 years. And then actually doing it together. So that kind of added up to be an awesome thing. And one of the doubles that I actually shot on public land, I curled in the first one. And came in, was out of was out of focus or out of frame shot it, went and got it, came back, and I was just sucking it all in, man. It was a big old Tom, and I hear another one light up down the ridge. No way. (laughs) Are you kidding me? It's like 15 minutes later, dude. 
So I'm like, <laughs> all right, here we go. I'm like, oh, this is going to be too easy. So he starts coming in. And he gets to about 45 yards, and I couldn't take it no more. He was just strutting back and forth, and he's walking up, and I just meleeed him and <laughs> laid him down. It was, it was, it was in frame, but it was way out. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't really even care. So that I shot it, the double, but it wasn't a double together. It was a double one right after another. So I was kind yep. of turkey season was really good. I love turkey season. It's probably one of my favorite, especially the camaraderie of everybody and hanging out and calling birds. And then after that, obviously went into fishing season and things kind of got, always get crazy during fishing season. I think we did uh, 136 trips this year oh, uh, for striped bass. Double, we do a lot of double trips and stuff. Kind of gets a little crazy. We did, we, I don't think that there was any trip that we didn't go out and we didn't get our limit. Um, so our limit here is 28 to 36 inches. Anything over has got to go back. Anything under has got to go back. We caught a ton of 50 inches, 40 inches, just absolute behemoth fish. And then, uh, beginning of t- the hunting season started off and started off a little bit slow for me, honestly. I shot a doe in the first like week or two, but always knowing in the back of my mind that I was leaving. <laughs> I was leaving this hellhole to go <laughs> somewhere that, you know, that you knew that there was big bucks, you know, and kind of did a little bit of e-scouting, talking back and forth. And I was headed out to Ohio to meet up with Eric Smith, who, if you guys don't know who he is, Bones76 on Instagram, or they call him Bones or Eric Smith. The dude is one of a kind. He's the old man of the group. He's like 50, 50 years old. And so he invited us out to go spend time with him at his brother's house, um, where he had actually grown up. He's actually from Tennessee, um, but he was born and raised in Ohio. And he had hunted there, shot a real nice buck two years ago. And, uh, invited us out for deer camp. So we got out there and, um, I actually went down, oh, five, six days early. It was going to be like crappy rain. It was like, I had kind of had the toss up. Do I stay here in Connecticut and hunt rat bucks or do I go down there and spend an extra five, six days in Ohio? Well, that was a no brainer. Right? Yeah. So I rented a car overnight and I drove myself down to Ohio and got down there. It was raining. And I kind of use that to my advantage with just trying to find different sign, just kind of checking out new public after I had e-scouted and just done a, just a, just a little bit of background, kind of like where I was, kind of checked a bunch of areas like, all right, do I want to go here? Do I want to go there? What's their feed? So on and so forth. And mind you, I'm going from somewhere that's kind of like, I guess where you guys would be like, kind of like in the mountains, you get a lot of like terrain change. You're hunting a lot of valleys and saddles and, you know, like all your textbook stuff, right? Right. Go out there where everything is flat. Like there's like a five degree deviation in a hill. And like we always have this joke like, oh, look at the the south facing slope. Like (laughs) it's like this tiny little hill because there's like no there's no change in anything in central Ohio. And uh, so anyway, so I got down there and started scouting and we had the rain. That was more or less like my like selling point of going down early because I was able to get into a lot of that public ground and not really stink it up. Right. So I would go in when it was raining or right before it was going to rain and it was going to rain that night and kind of just check sign, like just find any rubs, scrapes, so on and so forth. And then just kind of like hunt on them. Um, so when I had first gotten down there, I went in and found an area that was kind of there was a bunch of scrapes and rubs. And I hunted the next morning after it had rained. 
I'd hunted the next morning. I was like, all right, I'm going to do a morning sit in here and kind of see what's going on. So I went in there first light, sat until about nine, 10 o'clock. And when I went to go get out, I had realized that there was a ton of rubs and scrapes on my walk out. So I'm like, oh, man, fresh I walked ones, out like, to the car. Super fresh, like didn't see him before. Did not see him before because I walked in in the dark, right? Yeah. So they were obviously from that night or whatever, you know? And I was like, wow, this is a crazy sign. Like, this deer is going to be back here. No questions asked. So I went out, sat in the car. I called my mentor and I'm like, hey, Andy, what do you think of this, man? And he's like, dude, if I was you, I would eat a little bit of lunch or whatever you got in the car. And I'd get back in there and I'd sit till dark. That deer is definitely going to come in there, right? So... I went back and I sat back up on him and I literally, I, it was just crazy. Like everything just happened at once. The wind had shifted and the, it was like drizzly rain, real cold. And so the wind had shifted and I'm not really paying attention, obviously, because it's the middle of the day, right? It's like yeah. one o'clock in the afternoon. And I look to my left side and at 20 yards, there's a deer standing there. I'm like, I'm like, what do I do? Where'd you know you what I'm from? saying? <laughs> So I just slowly take my hand and he's a shooter. He's probably like, I don't know, one forties, maybe one fifties. And I literally just go to take my hand and my hand gets fully extended and it grabs my bow and this deer's head just snaps up. I'm like, I didn't even move. Like I did nothing move, like nothing moved at all. That's when I realized that we were hunting the most cagiest deer I have ever hunted in my entire life. Oh. And. Uh, then realized that this public land gets hunted a lot. Yeah. And it was like every ditch, every creek bed, like every like textbook style area that you could obviously imagine had three tree standing. Yeah. And I was like, okay. That sounds like this is, (laughs) this is what we're we're working with. So I had gone back and I talked to Steven on the phone and Steven's like, Trev, don't overthink this. Hunt like you would hunt back home. But Steven, I'm hunting a 25-acre parcel. I This is not like hunting back home. You know what I'm saying? Like, go into the bedding. He goes, hunt like you hunt back home. Okay. So the next two or three days, I just scouted and scouted and scouted deeper and deeper into the woods. And a lot of the thing is, everybody there, they hunt the fence rows. Like, that's just how they hunt. Like, like 30 yards, 40 yards off the fence rows in this, like, you know, waiting for those deer to come to those ag fields, which is all fine and dandy, but... In that time that I was there, so I was there right around Halloween, where it was kind of like that pre-rut thing where the bucks are just going from doe bedding to doe bedding to doe bedding. So that's when Steve was like, dude, you just have to hunt. So in that time, I just found all this bedding area that I could possibly find. And uh, I'd gotten into one area where I shot my buck in later on. So I went in there, and there was like this beat-down trail, man. I start walking in. I get halfway in there, and I'm like, this is the area. I don't have to go any further. I know that there's good sign. There's a bunch of rubs and scrapes and I backed out, waited for the wind to be right. Went, went in there that two nights later and there was a ton of deer movement, a ton. I didn't go in as far as I needed to, but there was, I could definitely see that there was a ton of deer movement and I had found a big scrape, like the size of a hood of a Volvo. Cool. I'm like, All right. This is what we need. I had posted a picture. There's a big, huge giant print in it. I'm like, there's a big boy in here. So Steven was going to be there in the next day or so. So I kind of held off the area. I had seen a little bit of sign. So Steven had come down. He had haunted the area where I had seen the first buck. Because I just was like, hey, man, go set up in there. It's easy access. Go up in there. Some good sign. And uh 
that night he came back and he's like, well, where should I set up? I don't know. What do you think? What have you been seeing? I was like, listen, this area here, there's good sign in there. I know there's good bucks in there. It's very easy to access. I can show you on a map how to get in there. Go in there and hunt this area. I know there's good deer in there. So Stephen hunts that in the morning. Like the sun's just coming up. I had actually gone to the southeast. So I drove about two hours to the east um, to hunt a different public land that I had been scouting with a good friend of mine from Tattooed and Wild, uh, Keisharak. Huge. He's nasty. Nasty. Um, so I hunted with him with some public. So I was out there and Stephen had gone in to this spot. And while he was in there in the morning, he had had a doe come by him and behind him was a giant. <sighs> I mean, a major giant. Um, he came in and came, he, he thought that it was because there was a smaller buck and then there was a doe and then he's like, oh, it's just that doe or whatever. He seen like a tarsal gland and he's like, oh, that's a buck. And he comes around the tree and it was just this absolute behemoth comes out from underneath the tree. Well, what happened was the doe had, was kind of like tailing him away and he kind of walked straight away and then turned and was at 30 yards and Steven went to go shoot him. And he had stopped in the wrong window when he had stopped him. And when he had shot, it, his arrow had deflected. And this thing was just an absolute giant. <sighs> That's I'm such talking. a heartbreak, man. <laughs> I'm talking giant. I mean, Steven was completely wrecked. And that was, so that was Halloween day. Later on that day, so he had missed on that one. I had missed on like a 130 class, came trucking by, and I went to go stop him. And same thing. I shot and deflected. So at this point, like we're in this roller coaster, right? We're seeing all these crazy deer. We're mobile hunting. So we're in a lot of areas where it's like thick and you know, you're not, you can't cut windows. I mean, you're just, it's, it's tough, you know, and these deer, they're on a mission. Um, so it was, it was a little bit tough. So Steven was kind of devastated. So I got back to camp and we got to chatting and he's like, dude, we both need to go in there, divide and conquer. We need to kill this deer. I'm like, what kind of caliber deer? He goes, Trev, he goes, this is the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life, hands down. Oh, oh man. So he draws a picture of it on the chalkboard. Bro, totally knocked me off my socks. I couldn't believe. Like, I knew we were dealing with big deer, but I didn't realize how big a deer. So we divide and conquered, and we had gone in there, and Steven's like, all right, you're going to go up here like 200 yards. There's a double cat eye on the tree going and you set up there, and I'm going to stay back here on this side of the bedding. So we're about 150 yards away from each other. And, um, so we'd set up, it was like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. And I had this really nice eight pointer and I tried to shoot him. And I, so I got my bow, I'm getting ready, comes down and the wind just shifts just a tiny bit, dude. And it goes right across his face and the deer snaps. What is going on? Like, I'm getting so mad. Like, I'm like, what is going on? Like, I can't do anything right. The deers aren't in the right windows. I can't get them on camera. Like, it's just. It was just stupid. I was getting so mad. Well, after that, I seen three more deer, probably 120 to 140 class. Just same thing. Walking away, wrong picture, couldn't get him in the right window, whatever the case may be. And I was getting so frustrated. I'm like, Steven, what's going on near you? And he's like, nothing. I'm like, dude, I have three shooter bucks that came by me. Like, they're just everywhere. He's like, I think you're facing the wrong direction. I said, yeah, I'm definitely facing the wrong direction. They're coming from behind me, and I'm not seeing them coming. Oh, man. So we did an all-day sit, and uh he had seen one other buck or two other bucks. And I had messaged him. I'm like, dude, big shooter, big shooter coming your way, right? So I didn't realize, but he didn't make it all the way. Steven, he went and veered off. Well, I hear, the whap. Oh, Steven just shot one. Well, he had shot at maybe like a 125. 
and he had missed. Oh, Same no. Thing. Same thing. Missed again. I'm like, dude, what in the world is going on? Like, this is crazy. This is just absolutely asinine. Well, I see that, I seen that deer take off. When I had looked up, now there's a little tiny deer, little six pointer coming in at me. And I'm like, no, oh, like, <laughs> I should shoot this thing. I should shoot him. It'd make a good euro. I'm like, I should shoot this thing. Cause like, I'm going up and down in this roller coaster. Like everything's wrong. Like I just need to punch this tag. Just punch the tag. Just get the skunk off. So this little six pointer's underneath me and I'm videotaping him, videotaping him. I'm like, Oh, this is so cool, man. This is so awesome. He's like eating right on eating acorns. About that time that I say that, this thing starts crawling out of his skin. I've never seen a deer do this. Like, hair kind of like stand up, and he's like, every he put his head down, and then he would snap his head up, and he'd look, and he'd put his head down, and he'd hold up. I'm like, what in the <laughs> world is going on? Like, do you have Tourette's? Like, what is wrong with you? So the deer, and I just hear, and then I hear, and I look over my right shoulder, dude, and there's this giant buck. Just raking everything like it looked like a bulldozer coming through the woods. It was the most miraculous thing I've ever seen ever. Like I was like, there was like dirt flying and tree limbs going everywhere. It was, it was intense. So then I turned the camera onto that and I'm watching the deer. I'm like, dude, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like he's just ripping everything to shreds. Like I can't believe I'm getting this on film. I'm like so happy at myself. I'm getting this on film. Not one second of that was I like, I'm going to shoot this deer. So he's like 55 yards away. So this deer comes walking nice and slow down this trail. Dude, when he comes out to the end of that, he's at 35 yards. I better get ready. So I grab my bow and he gets there and he doesn't even skip a beat. He gets out into the opening out of this thick, briary bedding ground. And he turns 90 degrees and starts walking straight towards me. Oh, all I see is this giant wreck just walking completely right at me, right at me. And mind you, it, the funniest part about this whole entire thing is he's got fucking branches and trees all over him. Like he's just <laughs> like covered from head to toe in trees and shrubbery and everything. I'm like, this is so cool, man. I got it all on film. So he comes in and he's going down the same path that that eight pointer was coming by. And I had ranged it. It was 22 yards. So I didn't even have to range it again. I said, if he comes over that stick, he's at 22 yards. I'm going to stop him right there and I'm going to shoot him. So he comes over and he steps over that stick one. And I go, hey. And he stops, let it go. Twap. And he goes to go run off. And his feet can't even get out in front of him, dude. He's just like nose diving into the woods. And I'm oh, like, he's bulldozing it. Oh, I'm like, yeah. I well bringed him. At this point, I'm telling you right now, if any of you haven't seen this video, you have to go and watch it because this is right about where Trev loses his shit. I am a full throttle ADHD nutcase, as we all know, and I can't, I'm just out of control anyways. When I had shot this deer, I lost all composure of everything I've ever done. Like my hands went completely numb from just shaking them <laughs> profusely. You know, <laughs> you ever seen that video from Luke Bryan? Is he down? Is, is he down? down? Is, is he, he down? down? <laughs> That's Trev. That's Trev. I, I, I just fucking killed him. He's dead. I killed him. Like I'm freaking out, like convulsing, like it, like an idiot, right? I'm drooling. My face functionality is not working at all. I'm just drooling out of my face. My arms are numb. My hands are numb. I'm like, I smoked him. I smoked him. So I call Steven. He's like, dude, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I killed him. I just killed him. He's like, how big? I'm like, 150, 160. I said, he's a giant. He's a giant. I killed him. I killed him. And he's like, what deer? I'm like, it's a giant. So he's like, all right, I'm coming. So I, then I FaceTimed Andy. 
I called every. I think I just was going through the list, calling everybody, just telling them what happened. <laughs> and um, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't bear it, man. I, I literally, at one point, I remember this. I was sitting there, and I'm like, I don't even have to. I killed this deer. I don't even have to take any of my equipment out of the tree. I just get down. Like I don't even because I'm saddle hunting. You know, oh like, yeah. He's like, so then I. For about an hour, I sat in that tree so I could get feeling back in my legs. And I finally then crawled out of the tree, got down. Stephen came to me, and we went to where I shot. And this is where things go downhill. There was no sign of anything. Nothing. No blood, no hair, no nothing. I know I shot. I watched him bulldoze. I know I hit this deer. And in my mind, it burned in my head where he had gone over this one tree and almost didn't make it off, and he was going down this trail. So I went over there, and I had little splats of blood. And I'm like, what did I just do? Like, what did I do? I don't understand this. What did I just do? So we go a little bit further, and I found the arrow. So now I got half of a shaft and arrow. And it's blood on it, but there's, like, no blood on the ground. So I'm like, Steve, what do we do, man? I'm like, I got it on film. I said, let's look at the film. So I look on I look on my little LCD screen. Like, I don't know, man. I said, we need to get this thing on a computer. I said, I don't want to go any further because if I didn't hit it right... It's a buck and rut, so he's got a lot of testosterone. Yeah. So who knows where, how far he can go? What if I one lunged him? What did I do here? Right. So we back out. I get back to the parking lot and I start pulling it up. Well, at that time, Bones had met us there, and he had met up with this kid, Cody, uh, Cody Evans. He's a local kid down there, and um, the kid, Cody's like, "What deer is it? What deer is?" It? I was like, "Junior, listen for me one second. You need to <laughs> calm the fuck down, buddy." Like. <laughs> I, I don't know what just happened. I'm way too on the edge of, on the verge of killing somebody right now. You need to just relax. So he's over my shoulder. I said, if you can see what deer it is, I said, you're more than welcome to, man. So then he goes, that's split G2. That's split G2. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, it's this deer right here. Is this him? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I just walked in. I shot him. I don't know. You tell they me. They had a giant bush in his head. I don't know. <laughs> like, look at the, look at it. I don't know, man. So. He then shows me the picture of it. And then that's about where I lost it. I thought I lost it before I lost it. I'm like, I'm like calling my dad. I'm like, dad, I just shot like a 180. This thing is giant. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you know, so I look on my, on my, um, my computer and the computer dies. Oh, of course it did. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. So then we got to get in the car. We went back to camp, loaded it up. And Steven's like, dude, you 12 ring that thing. What happened was you hit him in the shoulder. It went in and it hit the other shoulder. Yeah. And it's down. Like, it's dead. Like, you you 12-ringed it, man, but we just know blood because it has to build up. The arrow's inside the hole. Like, it's there. It's down. It, it probably didn't go more than 20 yards. So I called up a couple more people, and I'm like, what do you think? He's like, yep, it's dead. It's dead. It's down. So we go back into the woods, and it had there's, like, a V in the trail. And I go to the left. Steven and Eric go to the right. And so I'm over there and I am MFing myself. I'm like, there's no blood. How am I going to find him? I messed up. This is a giant deal. Like I, you talk about emotional roller coaster, dude. I'm yeah. ready. If there was a cliff, I would have already been off it. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm like suicidal at this. And, uh, Steven goes, Hey, you got that spotlight? Come here. I think I found blood. So I go there. And he's like, fan it up there. I fan it up there. There's just this giant white ass <laughs> down on the ground and there's just this giant wreck. And then. I just lost it at that point, man. I went up there and I grabbed a hold of that deer and I just emotionally lost it. And the words that came out of my mouth were so bad. I was so disappointed. I'm like, I cut the fucking juice loose. Like I was just, <laughs> I was just losing it. And, um, 
that was that was I've never had a deer where I walked up to it and it literally had growth to it. Yeah. I just I couldn't yeah. believe like there was just ant like it was nuts, man. It was I didn't I literally looked up at Steven and Eric and I said, Am I really on on planet Earth right now? Like, is this really did I really just do this? Like, did this really all just occur? Like, I couldn't believe it, man. Like I did not and none of me even thought of going down there and shooting a deer of that caliber. Like I was going there with the intentions I had said to Clay Thurman, I said to him, I said, if I go to, I'm only going down to Ohio to shoot a 125. I want to pope a young deer. Like that's, yeah. that was my goal was to shoot a 125. That's and a I solid goal been, to have too. I mean, what more can you yeah. really ask for on a DIY, just like on a whim trip going, you know, it's, I mean, that was my goal, man. I would have been, I would have been just as happy if I shot a 125. And you know what Clay told me? No one goes to Ohio to shoot a 125. <laughs> I'm like, I do. <laughs> I do, and I will. You know what I'm saying? If there was a 125 that would have gave me an opportunity, it would have been fucking arrowed. I can guarantee dead. you that. D-E-D dead. <laughs> D-E-D dead. It, it would have been dead. I promise you that. I Actually, yeah. that little six-pointer that was 95 inches, he was getting it too. I promise you that. <laughs> if it wasn't crawling out of his skin doing weird things, he would have got it too. But it was it was something else man to just kill that deer it was it was it was miraculous i i i don't even know man it's like it's not even a belief to me anymore like i look at that thing and i'm like i really did that like i did that i don't know it's it's still not real to me really not and i'm i'm kind of afraid of the day that it comes back from the taxidermist to actually see that you know what i'm saying like i'm just like oh i look at it all the time man it's oh it's right here with me all the time like i I, there she is. Oh, look at that little baby buck. <laughs> Unreal, dude. Oh, man. Yeah. That is one hell of a white-tailed animal. It's uh, one, 166 and 5 ace is what, what he's Freaking giant, dude. Freaking giant. So it's safe to say you're going back next year. So the goal... the or goal. This year, yeah, I guess. I can't not go. I mean... The Idaho hunt's gonna take up a little bit of time, and I'm literally gonna fly from Idaho right to Ohio yeah. and be there for Halloween. Um, I don't even, honestly, to be honest with you, I don't even care if I shoot a deer. Yeah. It's just the fact of being able to go back and sit in those trees again and, and do the same thing and all the hard work and effort that we put into it. Um, there was a lot of people that had a lot of doubt. They were like, I don't know, like, where you're going is not the greatest. I'm like, that's fine, man. Doesn't have like to I be. said, I'm yeah. I'm here to shoot a one twenty five, man. I, I don't really care. Like I I don't no. I don't I never shot a big deer in my life. You know, I have two Poban Young well, one one well now I have two, but I have one Poban Young deer. I didn't really care, man. Like that's not I'm into killing deer. Yeah. I don't really even care about shooting big deer, but that to do that on my first D U D I Y D U I We don't like those. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get one of those too. Fuck it. No, um, the DIY hunt and, and, and see as many deer as we did and, and kind of put everything, kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together and, and just kind of see it all, man. It's, it's fun. It's a, it's a complete blast. I didn't really even care. And if, if I think a lot of it honestly was being mobile yeah. and being able to follow the sign. I mean, that if we weren't able to follow the sign and really hunt hard, we wouldn't have been able to kill deer. I'll be honest with you. Like if we were going to, cause we hunted like we hunt back home. I mean, that's honestly it. Get in on those bedding grounds and, and 
that's what those bucks were doing. They were literally checking doe bed to doe bed to doe bed. Yep. And we just happened to be in between them um, everywhere that we hunted. And and the other thing is we did all day sits. Yeah. And I think that that played a huge role because there was a lot of times where I, I seen more deer from 10 to 2 than I did morning and night. That's um, crazy. Just cruising deer, man. Just Just cruising. Um, there was the full moon, so it yeah. was a lot of daytime movement. It's kind of, it was kind of like textbook, man. I, I will, I will say that it was, it was honestly textbook. Everything that you read, that's literally what it was like. My um, big takeaway from listening to you tell that story is you getting in there those rain days and really just picking that piece apart, looking for the hot sign. You know, it's almost like, like you said, it was kind of like a free sit almost going in there with the rain or just before the rain. No, it was going to rain, wash that scent away. Just get in there. Be aggressive, especially that time of the year, man. So important. It really is, man. That that rain played the biggest role in everything, and I kind of knew that. Like, get into those areas where them big bucks are, and then that uh, my scent's going to be washed away. So, really, when are they going to smell? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I'm using that free sit and and being aggressive, man. Um, I've always taken that away. I mean, from a lot of people that I listen to as, you know, mentors and stuff. You know, Kurt Geyer is one of them. Um, he'll tell you, man, that time of year is when you're aggressive. You, you get those chances during the rut. Like, don't, don't, just go in and, and capitalize on them. Absolutely. And that's what we did. I mean, that was, that was the important part to that. I mean, I think, and a lot of people, you know, and it's not against anybody. I mean, people shoot deer doing what they do. I mean, they hunting them fence rows and stuff, but they go to them same stands that they've been, that their grandfather went to. You know what I'm saying? Over and, they and shoot over good and deer. over and over again, just burning it out. Yeah, and I don't take that away from nobody, no. you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, it's great, it works for you, man, but I'm a little bit more aggressive than that, you know, and, and getting in there and doing that. And I, fuck, dude, I ain't no one to, 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 to take anything from, honestly. I'm still in the learning curve of all of this, but just being aggressive is, 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 I think was the most important part of all that. And I'm just an aggressive hunter when it comes to it. Yeah. You fail a lot. You you strike out a lot when you do stuff like that, but when it comes together, it seems to come together in full full effect. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, man. Yeah. So, Trev, I want to know at any given point, like before you made the trip, or you know when you were doing your e scouting, did you ever fall into that trap, like that traditional TV tactics where you might have been looking at the obvious? saddles or the obvious fence rows or anything like that did you ever fall into that trap like when you went out there have that in the back of your mind as an option um i mean you oh all right so i'll be honest with you right so i don't watch tv i don't really i'm not really it's kind of it's messed up sis right i don't listen to very many podcasts i don't really watch much youtube i don't really we're done here (laughs) no the thing is that in, in all actuality I'm just out there doing it. So like, I don't have time to be watching TV and learning it. I'm kind of learning it on my own as screwed up as it is, man. Like, you know, I listen to podcasts and you look for those saddle points and those pinch points and, and the betting grounds and so on and so forth. But I don't think that I fell trapped to any of those normal things. Just kind of hunt the way that I know how to hunt, right? Just be that woodsman and, and just learn by by losing you know what i'm saying by messing up and screwing up you know yeah kind of where that came from was like when you said you talked to steve and he just had to keep reminding like hunt how you hunt because i know guys do it they go out to the midwest where and it's funny that people even call ohio the midwest because in my mind it's not even close like (laughs) 
Uh, Ohio is not the Midwest. It just isn't. There's there first off, there's there's actual pressure on deer. Uh, <laughs> deer actually see people, and they're really hard to hunt. And like you said, it's it, there are a ton of people in all the most obvious places. But that's kind of where that came from. I wanted to know one what your mindset was going into it, and then you know how quickly you kind of reverted to back to what you do. You know. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I I guess. I kind of did fall trap to it now that you say it like that. Um, what I would go and I'd find some of those river crossings and try and see where they're crossing across them and every sluice way. You know what I'm saying? Like those kinds yeah. of things. Cause you hear that's like the Midwest way, right? So you want to get down in them river bottoms and so on and so forth, which there is no bottom, like maybe like a three foot deviation from the top. But, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I did kind of get subject to that for a while, like trying to find those areas that you are told about. Um, and that's when Steven was like, Trev, just hunt like you hunt, dude. You're going to find the deer. Just hunt like you hunt. You'll be fine. Yeah. Cause I did. I got, I kind of got kind of sucked in to like hunting the fence rows or hunting, you know, those blocks of woods, like close to the ag fields and stuff, you know, when you should be in on those bedding grounds, man. It's that time of year where them, them deer are definitely cruising. Um, and I was there the week before. The, the week of Halloween and the week after. So I was there that last week of October and the first week. That's a solid time to be out too, man. That, that's like that week with, with Halloween in there. Always my favorite time of the year. I've shot all of my biggest bucks in that week. Like the 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th. I've never killed one on Halloween. I want to so bad. I want to kill a giant on Halloween. It's like my freaking goal, man. But, um, that's just, it's a magical time to be in the woods. Everybody loves November, but that end of October is just. It's magic, man. So do you guys like the more the pre-rut or the actual rut? I would Good. almost say pre-rut, in my opinion. I'm not the biggest rut hunter. Like, I hunt the rut. I've had a lot more luck, and I've been a lot more, I don't even want to call it luck. I, it, I feel like in my head, that time of the year, that end of October is just so much better than the rut. So I kind of get stuck in a rut, hunting that harder than I would in November. And it's paid off for me, but... You know, I don't know. I, our area is so strange. Like, the way that the dynamic is with hunters around here, like, everybody's out that time of the year. It kind of gets overlooked a little bit that end of October, mid-October range. Guys aren't out hitting it full force like they would November 7th through the 14th or whatever. You know what I mean? So, it's kind of just really an opinion base. but what about yeah, you, Chuck? Well, I, I would agree with you there now. Over the last three years, most recently, I would say the best days in our area and i mean this is backed with how many deer have hit the ground in that time frame uh october like 27th through november 2nd or 3rd that has been absolute fire in the last three or four years i mean absolute fire but at the same sense as austin's mentioning you know when i was younger i you know that rut time frame was pretty magical you know my first five or six years uh, bow hunting. I saw a lot of action, a lot of chasing. I mean, that's the exciting stuff, right? You see the, the hardcore chasing, the, you hear bucks fighting. You can, you know, rattle deer in and, you know, and I killed my biggest buck on November 7th. Um, and I killed another one on November 8th. So it's, it's hard to bypass that, that first week in November and those first 10 days because they can be, if you're on the right property and now it's private ground with relatively low pressure. That rut time frame, it, it's been pretty good. But the, the thing is, 
it hasn't always been super consistent. You know, you would see one day and it would be absolutely outrageous. Bucks chasing does and, you know, you see four or five different bucks and they're just everywhere. And it's, and then you hunt the next seven days, you don't see a deer. You know, it's just that way of you got to be in the right place at the right time in the rut because it's so random. Now that early phase where you're late October, first couple of days, of November, those deer are still in that same area where you, you know, you've pinpointed their bedding areas to, a, to an extent, you know, they're in that area and you got a really, really good chance, probably a better chance of killing them than those bucks, you know, but man, those first 10 days of November, when those randoms show up and uh, you know, like the one I shot never, I, it was actually a local deer buddy of mine a buddy both of ours was hunting there like the first week of the, the year and he saw this giant 12 point he kept talking about this giant 12 he just said he's freaking enormous right didn't see him all year never had him on camera and then sure enough he showed back up november 7th and and walked up to my decoy you know i was trying to mount my decoy and end up shooting him so i don't know man i love it I, I don't care what time frame but i will say the last three years that late october has been just money. <laughs> I think that pre-rut is, is the most important. I honestly, I like it a lot better because like you're saying, it's you, they're more like on that feed to bed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're more programmable. They're more, they're easier to track. And, and you know that if you're near doe bed, a buck is going to come there. You know what yep. I'm saying? Because he's on that search to find that first hot doe. Yeah. And, and that's when you can get things can get haywire with yep. being during rut. You got to be in the right place at the right time, man. You could do a whole day rut sit and not see a deer if you're not set up properly. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's, I don't know. I, my days are the, I like the first, the last week of October and the first week of November. Like that is the hottest of hot. Um, you will get a ton of chasing bucks after that. Like things can get haywire if that buck is in the area. Like if I get a buck on cameras, this is the, this is the downfall or the, the good things to a cell camera well if you get that buck on camera you have three days to get in there and kill that deer he's going to be there for three days right so that's what everyone says so if that deer shows up on camera if you're in that area he'll be there for three days because he's in there on a doe obviously you know what i'm saying Um, yeah but i don't know that pre-rut dude you never know what's going to show up you never know where they're going to come and i learned a lot in ohio and i i learned I took away more stuff from two weeks of hunting there than I have my entire life of hunting. Um, as far as like winds go and like, like that wind, what I didn't say was that wind was blowing quartering into that bedding ground the entire day. That buck was bedded 75 yards from me the entire day, literally the entire day. When he had stepped up and was raking those trees, he had been there all day long. He was on that rub line. The, the tree that he was raking on was this oak tree that I could probably barely even put my arms around. And I meant to go over there, but I was so torn up with what was going on. My, so I'm, my plan is to go down to Ohio in the next couple of weeks here. I want to go down there and take a picture of that tree. Like that's my number one goal is to go take a picture. Cause I had to look at that tree from the minute the sun came up to the minute the sun went down. It was this giant tree and it was just rubbed about four feet off, five feet off the ground. I couldn't believe it. I was just totally. <laughs> mortified to have to watch that thing all day long. But oh, man. <laughs> sucks, dude. Awesome. That is what it is. That's killer, yeah. though, dude. That Honestly, yeah. and here's the main reason that I love having podcasters on here. You're used to podcasting. You know what you like to hear. That story was so vivid. I've seen the video, but that, that story 
is so vivid. It just yeah. you're you're painting pictures for people, man. Like if you can't yeah. if you listen to that story and you can't imagine that thing coming through, like I'm gonna call that buck the brush pile. Like <laughs> if you can't imagine <laughs> that thing coming through and just like going crazy, yeah. you're just I mean get out of here. Yeah. I I do got to call you out though. You you missed a couple of details and what I'm, I miss. I'm going to call you out on your because you, you kind of screwed my questions up here that I was. Uh, so <laughs> I, I two things that stood out when you told that original story. One was at the beginning when you ran into the Amish kids in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to know, like, I wanted you to talk a little bit about like parking lot etiquette, because in your story, original story on your on your podcast, you mentioned how you approached them, even though they were basically speaking Pennsylvania Dutch and. You know, but a lot of people wouldn't have approached them. And I, you know, your parking lot etiquette to know where they were going to know that you were separating yourself from them. I thought that was a big part of the story. Yeah. So that was actually on different ground. So that okay. wasn't the same area where I had actually shot that buff. Um, that was on the other public ground that I had gone to, that I had drove to a couple hours away. Um, and when those guys that we were, I was in there after a certain buck also that I had found a sign with, uh, Keith. And I had a certain destination that I wanted to go. There was a ton of giant rubs up there and I had actually missed that deer. Um, that was the one that I had missed. It was probably 130, 140. But when I had got to the parking lot early in the morning, I was getting dressed. A car had pulled up and there was three heads inside of the thing. And I'm like, oh, and they're parked on the side that I want to go up on this mountain. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And Keith had warned me about the Amish, right? Because like, there's like nothing good comes from the Amish, I guess. I, don't know. I just <laughs> you have whatever. no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Keith said that they were that they're halfway decent though down there, and they're pretty respectful. So I literally went up to him, and was like, "Hey, y'all headed up on the ridge?" He's like, "Yeah." I said, "You guys going to the right? or You guys going to the left?" They're like, "We're going to the right." And I was like, "All right." He said, "Where are you going?" I said, "I'm going to the left." He goes, "It's public land. You can go wherever you want." Like the kid was like wicked cool, man. I'm like, can I show you on the map? So I know that you're going one way and I'm going the other. Cause like, if you're going up there, I don't know where the fuck I'm. Cause I, I don't have a clue. I've only scouted this small little area and the kids were wicked cool, man. He's like, yeah, there's a 150 up there that I passed. He broke off all of his tines on one side. And I'm like, you bet your ass he comes out in front of me. He's getting shot. Like, I don't even care. Like <laughs> I'm shooting him. I know a taxidermist and he'll fix his tines. Like, <laughs> I'm shooting him. He's not getting away. You can consider him dead. But, uh, but no, I didn't end up seeing him, to be honest with you. But the kids yeah. were actually really cool. And it's, you know, hunting public land is one of those things that you kind of got to be. You got you to gotta talk to everybody. You got to be versatile. That guy can fuck up your, 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 your hunt just as much as he can make it good. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and if you're, if you're out there being an asshole, I mean, you kind of want to hunt to his wind, to your wind advantage over him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, that guy could go marching through the woods. That guy could do a million and one things. If you're an asshole to him, he can really ruin your hunt. So you kind of got to play that etiquette, man. If he's going there, kind of got to work together, not against each other, man. And that's, that's one thing I always live by, man. No matter who's in the woods, just be, just be respectful to one another because you guys got to hunt the same ground. It sucks, but there's, there is ways around it. You know, and everyone can be yep. successful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the other thing was uh trail cams, I wanted to mention. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to you about uh if you utilize them. I mean, you were out there, what, about two weeks or so yep. out in Ohio. So when you're on those, like, short, out-of-state DIY public land, you've never been there before, are you utilizing trail cameras? 
to kind of gain data in other areas since you're obviously can only be in one spot at one time. 100%. So I brought uh, two cell cameras with me and I had just, so that buck that came in on me the first time and I knew he was in there and there was this, the scrapes in there. Um, I literally put a trail camera on it and waited for him to come back. And then knowing that he was in the area and he was daylighting, then somebody could have moved in on him. Yeah. Um, I did the same, just found a fresh sign, put those cameras in there and just utilize them as eyes because you're, you're going in there and you're hunting. You're only one set of eyes. So you're literally scout hunting the whole entire time. Yeah. I mean, you're just trying to find sign. You're literally trying to be, you know, you're walking on eggshells to get in there, find as much sign as you can and hunt it. But you're also having those trail cameras to use as your eyes also when them deer are daylighting, what's going on, what's moving in there. I mean, those are kind of. I use them to my advantage so I don't have to go in an area two times. I just go in there, find that, put the camera on it, and then go in there and hunt it if I have to. If not, I just pick them up at the end of the trip. Yeah. And actually, I got that deer on camera twice. Yeah. Yeah. Giant. So I, I, uh, I know we're getting up there probably, Austin. Yeah, we're right top. about there. but Okay. I got, I got one more question for you because I would not be doing my due diligence if I had three saddle hunters on here and we didn't talk about it, right? <laughs> That's like... Saddle hunting 101. So, I mean, but for real, I, you know, switching to a saddle and being a saddle hunter, obviously you mentioned it briefly, like your extreme mobility helps you get in on fresh sign right now. Uh, I kind of wanted to know like how it's changed your hunting style over the years when you switched to a saddle and what role it played in the success in Ohio. So. My thing is, I was always, I was that guy, man, that went to that same stand every single year on the same property, the same shit every single year. Um, that was just me. I mean, that's, that's what I did, man. That's what my, my dad still hunts the same stand that I shot my first deer out of when I was 15, uh, shotgun. So I would have been 13 years old that I shot my first gun out of. He still hunts that same stand. And when he passes, I will guarantee that I will hunt that same exact stand as he did on the day that he dies. I, I promise you that. But. When I had got into the whole mobile game and it's, it's changed my whole, my whole outlook on hunting. It's changed my whole drive to go out there and do it and, and just get into those areas where I never would have hunted, man. Like where I had shot my, uh, buck last year was an area that I couldn't go and set a climber into because it was all this big swamp bottom, but all the deer lived down there and going to a saddle. And at that time, man, I was almost 300 pounds and I was in a saddle and going up in these tiny little swamp trees. It's just changed everything to be able to, to not only pick the area and not only pick, you know, not, not have to pick the tree, but pick the area where I'm hunting. And it's really put me into two areas and got me into some really messed up situations that I probably never would have been in if I wasn't hunting out of a saddle, honestly. The deer that I shot in Ohio, if I wasn't in a saddle, I probably, I would have had a tough time killing that deer. Because I would have had to get in there and set up totally different and not hunt that same exact tree. Like where I was, I wish I could paint the picture. The bedding ground was like this is like rabbit habitat for like maybe 60 yards. And there was no trees in it. It was like completely clear. And the only tree that was on the edge of it was this tiny little V oak tree. And I was like 20 feet up in the, in this tree and everything else was a giant oak flat and it was wide open. And there was like no cover at all, but I was just able to get up high enough and on the edge of that bedding ground and be able to hunt. If I was in a climber, I would never be, dude, they would have seen me from a mile away. 
No questions asked. I would have never been able to hunt in there and been able to shoot at that deer. I probably wouldn't have been able to shoot at any of the deer that I seen the whole entire time that I was in there because I would have just been daylighted. With the saddle, I, I don't have to have myself... You know, like when you're in a climber or you're in a tree stand, you're always looking for another tree to kind of back you up, whether it's a beech tree, whether it's a pine tree, whether it's something. With the saddle... I just go up five feet higher and just get higher in the tree. And I, I barely ever have a second tree to back me up. Like, I don't know why, but I just feel that I'm camouflaged enough the way that I'm set up coming off the tree on that angle, like a branch. Like, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but I just, I don't really use the cover like I should. Like if I was in a regular tree, I use the tree for my cover, man. I mean, most yeah. of the time I'm in that like basketball size tree. If I, if I can find that, you know, I put that tree in front of me. I mean, my arms might be sticking out a little bit, but you know, that's just a little nub hanging off that tree. That's not, it's not a dude. It's not a dude in a stand, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, I still, I, I'm still stuck in kind of my older way where I, I still do look for situations when they present themselves to get the, best tree with uh you know with some kind of background to it um, oh, of course like another tree or something yeah, but you're not yeah. looking for like crazy cover like you would with a regular stand yeah absolutely absolutely I'm, not i'm not drawing, trying to find some some bean pole in the middle of a, a green field you know what i'm saying <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm i'm obviously a little bit back but i'm not you know what I I'm know saying? What you, like, I'm not yeah, looking I, for crazy cover like I would with a tree stand. Yeah, you're not, not trying to climb off the tree. <laughs> yeah, a, a birch or beech tree in the middle of a, you know, a big old cedar or something, yeah. right? I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Austin, you got anything else for for a boy, Trev? Well, I, I mean, I like to ask favorite hunting story, but I mean, I feel like we heard it. I think we covered that. <laughs> that's a hard I, one to beat, there, but I mean, that's that's just like unreal. Just it, it was just a blessing, man. That's I just got wicked lucky. It was no more than that, honestly. I, I really I it was just luck. It really a lot of it was luck. It just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I'm sure honestly. there was a little luck, but I feel like I feel like there was some skill and, and, and some effort that really went into that. Like your scouting and everything. That was that was some skill that went into that, man. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit on that. Yeah, luck goes so far. It does. Um, <laughs> I think I think luck will take you it. to maybe the finish line, but to get there, you have to put in the hard work. You have to do the five days of scouting and hunting in the in the rain and before the rain. Uh, you have to put the extra effort that a lot of guys probably want, went through to get themselves into that point, right? right? So there's still a lot of grind to get you there, and I, I think you went through that. But uh, All right, so to wrap this up, classic outdoor drive style. CT Trev, my boy, East Coast, what drives you outdoors? Man, it's just the passion of being around everybody, man. The camaraderie, the friendships, the love. I, you know, I wouldn't, honestly, I do all of this for this right here, man. This is what I do this for. This is, this is what drives me outdoors is to have conversation with like-minded people constantly every day of my life. Like being around and showing the love and the support to one another and working with each other and constantly talking to people throughout the season that are like-minded like myself and, and just, just the positivity, man, of, of the camaraderie, the, the stories, like that's what drives me outdoors, man. And, and being everyone in deer camp, I would be just as happy if Steven shot that deer, if you shot that deer, 
that for me, I don't care who shoots a deer. That sh- doesn't yeah. mean anything to me. I just want to be there and I want to be part of it. And I just get so excited about that. And that is what drives me outdoors. That is so freaking solid, dude. <laughs> I love that. You- You've practiced that answer, I feel like. Uh, no, I just lived that answer, my friend. I just lived that answer. Okay? Uh, I love it. Uh, busting balls. I love it, man. I know. Well, let everyone know out there where they can find you. Uh, if they enjoyed this episode, they better have enjoyed this episode. Uh, let them know where they can find you, man. Uh, so you can find me, East Coast Trev, on Instagram is my personal. The Outdoor Drive on pretty much any and every platform. Uh, Drive dot com uh you can find us over there and uh you can find us right here on the whitetail distraction podcast <laughs> that's what i'm talking about buddy i'll link all that in the description it's gonna be beautiful <laughs> appreciate you coming on man hey thanks for having fun. me man. it was it was awesome to be here dude and i can't thank you enough for having me absolutely man got it brother